Hello everyone, welcome to Narcissism Recovery Podcast, produced by the Magnolia Healing Center. I'm your host, Yitz Epstein. In this podcast, we will be delving into topics related to narcissistic abuse, codependency, childhood wounds, childhood trauma, mental illness, and all things narcissism. The purpose of this podcast is to bring widespread awareness and healing to the global epidemic of narcissism and codependency. It is my hopes that with this podcast, we can collectively create an environment of health and healing for you, the individual, and for the world at large. Let's begin. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. Today, we're going to be discussing the power of habits. So in this podcast episode, I want to discuss the power of habits. I want to talk about the importance of habits in our lives, specifically our relationship lives, and most specifically on the healing journey. I also want to offer some tips and insights on how to shift out of maladaptive and faulty, unsustainable habits, and then be able to build healthier, more life-affirming ones. So before we jump in, I want to suggest a really phenomenal book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. I'm going to share the link to purchase this book in the description section below. This is an extremely popular book, and for very good reason. Uh, This book helped me open my eyes to the importance of habits in life in general and our ability to use and leverage our habits to achieve success. So phenomenal book, and like I said, feel free to check it out in the description section below. Highly recommend. So to begin, our habits are something that have the ability and the power to build up our lives and also the ability to destroy them. So habits do not just include our behavioral habits. Our habits, while definitely including our behavioral habits, also include our habits of what we choose to think about, focus on, believe, perceive, our intentions, both conscious and unconscious, and habits on how we relate to other people, uh, our intimate relationships, in essence, our relationship patterns. So we often don't realize the importance of our habits and the importance of small habits. So what happens is oftentimes we neglect these small habits because we think they're just not a big deal. However, these small habits add up and accumulate over time and they uh, residual success and eventually they, they, they become something much more than just the small habits. Now it's because of this, this neglect of these small habits, that we that we oftentimes build negative habits that compound over time, and these habits have significant power and significant momentum, and once these habits are set in motion, it's very hard to uproot them. And the, these patterns very much become like, a, like an oak tree, and, and trying to uproot an oak tree. But at first, obviously, the, the habits are small and insignificant, at least we think so, and we develop the habits that eventually become these oak trees, and we have a very difficult time removing them. Now, the same goes for a positive habit. What we do habitually is going to carry momentum, and what perhaps start, starts out as, as one simple good deed in, in, in our intention or a uh, pivot in the direction of wherever we're going in the positive direction, eventually that creates momentum and it becomes a lot, a lot easier to carry that momentum into the future. And in some ways, that habit starts to run like a program automatically. Now, one of the most important elements when it comes to habits is repetition. No one is going to succeed because they did one, let's say, push-up, right? No one's going to get pumped off of one push-up, and uh, no one's going to become thin because they ate a healthy meal. But over time, these small habits add up, and even a small minimal improvement a day leads to exponential growth later on. Now, when it comes to trauma and abuse, it's not necessarily the single incidents 
or a few experiences where we were, let's say, neglected or abused or shamed or narcissistically abused that do the most damage. It's the subsequent patterns of trying to cope with the deep pain, the intense loss, and the overall feelings of unsafety that lead to the habits that have destructive potential. Uh, an example of this would be, let's say, neglect, right? While neglect is obviously painful and, and uncomfortable, it's what happens afterward. It's the subsequent feelings of low self-worth and the patterns of thinking and believing that one is worthless and alone in the world that stem from these neglectful experiences that become a very strong habitual thought form and belief system. And these are very strong in our lives and they're very difficult to betray and, uh, and dismantle. These faulty ways of thinking or these habitual ways of thinking, let's say thinking or, or feeling or, or coping, they're gonna lead to maladaptive relationship patterns such as let's say people pleasing or being narcissistic or controlling or let's say even dissociating. The, these are gonna wreak havoc on our lives. So obviously when we're going through trauma, we have to develop these habits to survive, but because they become habits and habits become strong forces in our life that eventually when our relationship lives come, come along, we have the opportunity to be intimate or in an intimate relationship, suddenly these patterns are going to rear their ugly head and they're going to oftentimes sabotage whatever success we have. Now, in particular, after trauma and abuse, when we choose ways to cope that are self-destructive, or let's say we engage in self-soothing mechanisms such as addictions, we're going to have a very difficult time letting them go. Now, habits are going to create neural pathways in the brain, and they're going to have these sort of mom strong momentums to repeat them. And regardless how much we, we know they're not necessarily serving us or how much we want to choose otherwise, and regardless if the threat is long gone, and even if we logically understand that these patterns are no longer effective, uh, the, they're habits and they're habitually sort of running across a certain pathway and a neural pathway. And once that pathway is set up, it becomes almost the, 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 the program like we mentioned. These habits become the paradigm of, of existence that we live in and the baseline of how we think, feel, behave, and relate. In essence, they become what we know and really the only way we know how to operate, the only way we know how to live. So after our habits get formed and almost take on a mind of their own, and while at first we may choose a habit consciously, we may choose to do this this habit, but after repeatedly choosing them, it's going to cause them to gain traction and momentum, and uh, we're going to begin to feel like they are not a choice and are, you know, in fact, controlled by them, and in many ways, uh, we are, especially because once the habit gets formed and once it becomes a program or an unconscious program, in many ways, it has a, a strong force, very much stronger than, than our conscious awareness. Now, anyone who has ever tried to break a habit will become intimately aware of how difficult it truly is. The, the saying, right, old habits die hard, it's not just cliche. Habits cannot necessarily just be broken because we, we desire it or because of willpower. When we try to beat an addiction or a negative habit or a negative thought form with force, there's gonna be a backfire and, and it's gonna lead most usually to the, to the individual relapsing because the momentum that we're trying to fight against, uh, eventually we're just gonna run out of energy and it's just gonna power back over us and then it's gonna it's have incredible force and it's gonna just be very difficult. And ultimately it's not sustainable to try to beat a negative habit or an addiction with force. What's important to understand is that when it comes to habits, there's no such thing as a bad habit. Obviously there's habits that we don't like and we wanna get rid of, but habits are simply there to serve us in some way. So just because a habit, let's say it's in today, we're, we're in possession of a habit that doesn't necessarily serve us, maybe an addictive, addictive habit, at one point in time, this habit served us. So when it comes to healing, if we're engaging in habits that are designed to assure our survival, right? let's say we do, are, we are engaged in habits that are, let's say, destructive uh, or fear-based, 
uh, or, or survival based, they're not going to work in, in abundance, in health, in happiness. So therefore, it's so important when it comes to the healing journey to track down these habits, identify them, and realize where they came from and why they're there and how they were at one point serving us, and then realize their ineffectiveness. And then one pit, one moment at a time, one pivot at a time, we'll be able to shift our, our, the momentum of our habits into health, to happiness, to, to, to presence, ones that are ultimately sustainable. So even habits that are, let's say, destructive, and even ones that are seemingly pointless, we're not sure why we do it, uh, we have a compulsion to do it, there are usually some gains to them that make it difficult to let go. An example of this is, you know, like I mentioned earlier, uh, an addiction. Addictions seem very uh, illogical. They almost seem silly. But in many ways, addictions would save our life because the addiction that we, let's say, we, we took on, uh, even though it's hurting our lives or sabotaging our relationships, ultimately, at one point in time, we needed to adopt this self-soothing agent because otherwise we would have destroyed, it would have completely fell apart. So in essence, addiction usually offers us the ability to soothe our pain and escape our present moment experience. And if our traumas early on were so painful and they didn't necessarily allow us to, uh, to feel safe in our body or to feel safe in the moment, we're going to find ways to avoid the present moment and in many ways, that might have saved our life. Uh, but ultimately speaking, these are patterns. And when they, uh, when we do enter into adulthood or do enter into relationships, they are going to create barriers to intimacy, and they're very much going to get in the way of our happiness. So according to James Clear in Atomic Habits, he says that upwards of 50% of what we do on a daily basis is as a result of habit. And I would even argue that it's, it's higher than this. And what he's saying, and, and what this means, is that we are mostly running our lives out of rote. We are allowing our lives to be lived and to be controlled by our habits and by our programs, by the, in essence, path of least resistance. And we are not necessarily choosing our habits. We're not certainly not choosing habits that serve us. We are choosing our habits, but in essence, we're choosing the habits that were already chosen early on. So we are not able to tell the future. I don't believe we are able to know exactly what's going to happen. However, we could decide which habits to adopt as our own, and our habits are most likely going to be the ones, the choices that we make in the future. So this is how our habits create our future. So if we want a healthier and more abundant life in the future, we need to choose continuously and commit repeatedly to habits that align with our ideal outcomes today in the present moment. And this is how our present moment creates our future because our habits that are done in this very particular moment are going to dictate what life looks like and what experiences we have in the future present moments. So based on this, we can see how important it is to become conscious of, to track down and take control of our habits in order to build a life that aligns with our highest self, with our optimal healthy future. Now, unconscious negative habits are one of the main obstacles when it comes to healing. Even if we are to change our conscious habits, even if we work really hard to change the habits that we are aware of, the unconscious habits that were set up in early childhood, which I often refer to as childhood programs, uh, they reside in the unconscious mind and they have significant power, infinitely more power uh, than, than our conscious awareness. And, and in many ways, they control the outcomes of our lives. Now, because we have a limited access to our unconscious habits, most of the time, we have little awareness as to why our life looks like the way it is and why it's, let's say, falling apart or why it's sabotaging. And therefore, we have little ability uh, most of the time to truly change our habits and therefore our life for the better. So awareness of our unconscious habits is a very much a necessary prerequisite to changing and shifting out of them. Now, as mentioned earlier, the key to habit forming is consistency. 
Less important is the intensity of the habit as it is the consistency of it. Meaning you can do one thing strongly, but more, but more effectively is it to do it less intensely and just assure that there's a repetition. In Atomic Habits, he explains that one small habit every day creates a compound effect. Uh, he, the example he brings is, let's say you were to improve 0.1% every day. In a year, you'll have a 36.5% improvement for the year. So as mentioned earlier, our, our habits are small choices and at first we may make them intentionally and when they're repeated, they are no longer intentional, they become programs. So the small choices we make in any direction of our lives will then influence the next choice in the next moment. So at any moment, we really have the ability to take control of our life because we can choose in this moment what habit to adopt. And if we don't like where our life is going, if we don't like the momentum, yes, it's difficult to change a habit. But if we, t if we get real uh, minuscule and we go minute to minute and moment to moment, we can identify the very habit we want to shift out of. And then the more momentum, the more we pivot out of that uh, habit, the more momentum will go into the new. Uh, and then ultimately that will be reinforced. So choices are consequential. And therefore, at any moment, we are living with the results of our previous choices. And we can always make choices in this moment to influence our future choices for better or for the worse. Now, many of our tendencies, especially after trauma and abuse, that carry significant momentum in our lives are based on fear, shame, and high reactivity. So they're not going to serve our highest growth. They're not going to necessarily bring us more present. And they don't promote and enhance peace and wholeness. So the, the healing journey can really be summarized simply as shifting from fear and trauma-based habits into health and authenticity present moment-based habits. So essentially it's from habits of survival and lack to habits of abundance, from habits of defensiveness and fear to vulnerability and, uh, and openness. Let's say from habits of negative thinking to positive thinking to optimistic thinking from habits of dependency to habits of independence. So one of the most important habits to form on the healing journey is that of non-reactivity and presence, present moment awareness. When we are wounded and we're traumatized, when we're mistreated early on, we're going to have the urge, most usually to escape our pain, to escape the present moment, and habitually align ourselves with a self, with a sense of self that is misaligned with our authenticity, with a false self, all this obviously in order to cope, to fit in and survive. In many ways, this is a very uh, much something that would save our life. Now, the issue with this is that while it definitely guarantees our survival, it give us, gives us the best chance of survival, it also effectively disconnects us from our authenticity, from ourselves, from our present moment experience. So the habit of avoiding the present moment and escaping our authenticity is going to wreak havoc on our lives in every possible way because a healthy, wholesome, and interconnected life demands and is dependent on our ability to be present, emotionally available, and fully authentic. So when we work on shifting our habits from habits of avoidance, denial, judging, rejecting the present moment, avoiding our authenticity, and, uh, and work to shift into vulnerability, to presence, self-love, acceptance, authenticity, that is how we shift from illness, from mental illness, from chaos, from dis-ease into, into health. A key element of the healing journey is who we identify as. So who do we think we are? When we are traumatized, abused, we are going to believe that who we are is based on what we do and who we are is innately worth it, worthless and our authentic selves is, uh, are shameless. So when we get into the habit of identifying with this self, with a false self, with our ego, identifying ourselves as a victim or as a role that we need to play, this is ultimately the, the habit of self-identification that is misaligning us with our true identification, our true self. So the habit of self-identification is very hard to shift out of because 
when we come to believe we are something, then we build a whole life based on that person. And then if we were to not identify with that person, in essence, our whole life would break down, would fall apart. So we oftentimes cling to this identity, even though it's not necessarily who we are. And even if life is proving to us that this is not who we are, and even if life is falling apart, our ego, we cling to it because we believe this is who we are. And you don't, you know, you don't want your whole self to shatter. Here's the thing, when it comes to healing, we must find a way to break down that false self and shift into our authenticity. Uh, when we show up to life thinking that we are a false self, we're gonna manifest chaos, life's gonna break down, our relationship is gonna be, relationships are gonna be dysfunctional as a result because we're not being honest with ourselves, we're not being transparent, we're not being ourselves. So it's not until the false egoic identity breaks down, and oftentimes this happens decades later in life, when life falls apart and we're forced to face the fragility and the falseness of this self, but ultimately the lie that it is. And this is usually where we have, let's say, a relationship breakdown or a job loss. Um, and what happens is we sort of go to this dark night of the soul because our whole existence st starts to shatter or this false illusory self starts to break down. And this breakdown is usually what starts us off on a journey of learning about who we truly are, our soul, our authentic self, the infinite being that we truly are. And once we have this awareness of the self and we begin to embody it as who we are, and then we start to get into the habit of living as this self being our primary self, then we're able to build a life based on that self, one that is sustainable, happy, healthy, and as a result, we're gonna be able to attract a life that is, that is based on that authentic self. And once this is the case, our lives are going to improve drastically because we aren't just living to cope, to survive in fear. Uh, we're truly shifting our mindset and our, our entire life uh, and, and ultimately our habits and patterns into alignment with our present moment self, with our authentic self. And this alignment is where we find health, growth, uh, joy, purpose, uh, happiness, and peace. So in Atomic Habits by James Clare, he mentioned that in order for a habit to shift, it needs to build a significant momentum to reach a certain point where it's able to shift from the old habit to the new habit. And this point, this plateau, he calls it, is the plateau of latent potential. Now you may wanna imagine this as the amount of energy needed to fuel the new habit into the one's daily routine. So this is why repetition is key because repetition is the only way to slowly build this momentum. Now it takes time to build momentum where the new habit breaks us through into the new growth that we have been working towards, that we have been planting. And he brings the comparison to how bamboo might take years to build sort of an underground root system that can support its incredibly high, strong, tall beams. And then eventually the, the, the bamboo shoots will just shoot up 90 feet in the air and that, that only takes a couple of weeks. And this, this growth, uh, after years of building the solid foundation, is what you see, and that almost seems like an overnight success. He says it can take years to become an overnight success, uh, so to speak, because uh, sometimes we don't see the underlying uh, growth and the underlying foundation that we need to build in order to support the growth. So on the healing journey, this is a very this is very much the case. It's a very good, good example because what happens times what happens oftentimes is we get frustrated and we start building these new habits and we're not getting the breakthroughs, we're not getting the growth that we want. And oftentimes we can learn about all the, the information about healing and we can try all the things, but until we create that consistency and until we get into the momentum of putting those habits, those healing habits into practice, we're not gonna be able to reach the plateau of latent potential and ultimately we're not gonna have mo enough momentum to break through. And many people do quit the healing journey before they reach that plateau of latent potential or that breakdown breakthrough and as a result, they don't necessarily uh, get to the other side. And that's that's unfortunate because giving up on the healing habits before reaching that that uh, that plateau 
is going to miss the incredible fulfillment that comes along with not giving up. And it's common. It's common to quit before reaching this plateau. And this is actually, in fact, you, when people want to quit the most because it feels like it's really not working. But as you're nearing that plateau, it's usually when we feel despair, we feel like it's not working, we, we actually want to quit more. That's why one of the main things about a healing journey is just to keep going, just to keep going, continue, don't stop, and continue with that momentum. Eventually, you will break through, you will reach that plateau of latent potential, and eventually, that'll be the way of operating. That'll be your new habit, and that'll be your new paradigm, and as a result, you'll be able to attract that health, the healthy relationships, the sustainable life that we are shooting for. Now, the healing journey is about shifting from unhealthy, defensive, fear, and survival-based habits into healthy, present moment, and self-loving ones. And this shift can seem very much endless and like it's not working, but if we continue and stay consistent, we will break through. And then when, when this does happen, we can take a look back and see that that the small habits are the ones that, that brought us to success. It's not the big habits, not the big splashes, not the intensity, it's just continuing. Even though you don't want to, it's just pushing through, and uh, eventually we realize that it's actually, these small habits are not just small habits, they're actually built building the necessary momentum to bring on that breakthrough. Now, when it comes to changing habits, it's so vital to work with your habits and not in resistance of them or to fight them. Our habits, like I mentioned, are strong, they're programs, they have momentum, and they're not gonna stop just because we wish them away or because we chose a different habit. We'll usually get pulled back to our baseline of habits. So the goal is to meet the habits where, where they are, to observe them, to understand why they're there, to appreciate what they were designed to help us deal with and cope with, to have compassion on them and, and patience for the part of ourselves that needed these habits to survive. And then when you do work with them and you slowly moment by moment shift your energy from one way of being into a different, more effective way, this is how we truly break through. So the habit shift, even though it's slow and steady, will eventually accumulate to a shift where the new way of operating becomes the default. And at first it seems impossible and difficult, but eventually, like any skill, if we continue habitually practicing, we have no choice but to get better. Now, being an abuse victim can very much lead to a feeling of learned helplessness, feeling of feelings of despair, and beliefs that things cannot and will not get better. Now, it's so vital to understand that we are never, in fact, helpless. And we, while we might have been helpless early on, because we are the creators of our reality, we create reality based on the choices we make habitually. So if we are the ones to choose our habits, which then led us to a life where it's unmanageable, we've reached rock bottom, it's chaos, then we can also make choices, become aware of choices that we are already making, and then shift into different choices that lead our life to health. So in essence, we always, at any moment, have the ability to choose our habits, and as a result of that, we have the ability to shift our life and turn our life around. Now, if we are habitually showing up to life, to relationships, fragmented, broken, codependent, lacking in self-awareness and self-love, lacking in boundaries, we are going to identify with a self that will attract that very thing into our life because like attracts like. So if we practice showing up to life, present, calm, self-loving, compassionate, and authentically and assertive in our lives, especially in our relationship life, this will get reflected back to us and we're going to attract healthy, peaceful, fulfilling, and growth-oriented, sustainable interpersonal relationships. Human beings are creatures of habit and our habit dicta habits dictate most, if not all, of what we do. So if we want a different life, we need to track down our habits. Uh, we need to create new ones, healthier ones that align with our ideal health, our ideal future, as opposed to habits that align with fear and survival. If we were to simplify life, you can say that all of life really comes down to a commitment to a habit in every moment 
and we want to check in with what are we committing to in this moment? Because if you want to change your future, we got to change our habits and we got to change it in this moment. Healthy habits lead to a healthy life. So uh, the life available to us, the possibilities, the opportunities that we will, will come our way, that we will end up having for ourselves, come down to what habits am I committing to in this moment? So to finish off, most of us don't necessarily know what happened to us in childhood. We're not necessarily aware of what we've gone through. And we may not even have memories of the trauma. And I don't believe it's necessary to have memories of our trauma. What I do believe it's important to do is to observe yourself, to watch ways in which you show up to life, watch ways in which you habitually react, habitually defend. Uh, what, what are your paradigms of existence? And when you do observe yourself, observe your actions, thoughts, intentions, and, and patterns and, and relationship patterns and habits, we are going to be able to see what happened to us, see the damage. In essence, our own selves, by observing ourselves, reveal our damages, our patterns, and ultimately that is the information we desperately need to become aware of if we're going to correct that damage and heal. So if we have the courage to look ourselves in the mirror, to self-reflect and observe with compassion, with the intention to learn about what we need to do to heal, we can gather the information, and with that clarity, we can ultimately make shifts habitually every moment of our day into our ideal self, our authentic self, and then align with the future and the goals and the vision that we like to create for ourselves. So I wanna finish off with a quote that is uh, that was made by myself, and the quote goes like this. First, we create our habits, then our habits create us. So the idea here is, is that we are going to be able to choose our habits, but eventually our habits are going to be the thing that controls us, that rules us. So yes, we may have strong momentum of habits from early childhood that control us, but at any point in time, we can disarm those programs, we can choose different habits, and while it's not easy at first, eventually we'll be able to reach that plateau of latent potential and breakthrough. When we do, we'll realize that healing is not linear, but rather it's the small little details every single day that add up to a big accumulation of a program that becomes the new paradigm of our, of our lives, and that is how we shift. So if you're on your healing journey and you feel stuck, you feel stagnant, you've been doing this for a while, it's so important to just not quit, just keep going and keep paying attention to your habits, keep shifting, and eventually you'll break through. And when you do, you'll have such incredible fulfillment and joy and happiness realizing that yes, you could have quit, but you did not. And that perseverance is what allows you to break through to the other side. So thank you all so very much for listening to this podcast episode today. If you are interested in working with me one-on-one, -on -one, I'd be honored to assist you on your healing journey. Feel free to reach out to me directly. My email is yitzyitz at magnoliahealingcenter.com. My phone, 818-210-6049. Thank you all so very much for joining me for today's episode. Until next time, all the best.